Welcome back to Season 5 of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. And today, man, do I mean that. That's not just a log line. It's become a badge of honor because we are doing quite a bit on this show, and today is no different. So we got a lot to get to. Let's jump into it. Joining me today, and I think I'm going to give like some character bios. I like these other shows that like give characteristics to their host. Hmm. I have... My geek-tastic man of the unique taste buds, Mr. Matthew Aguilar, who uh, started this journey with me. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We have our good ray of light. She is the dagger to our cloak on here, Janelle Wheeler. Hello, hello. I like that. You're getting all kinds of calls right now for good reason. Well, well and <laughs> our resident, the heel himself, Mr. Connor Casey is here. See, when you said unique taste, I thought you meant me. And then you no, pivoted I mean, to you me. have you have that's why you resonate. You have that's, heel taste and like a bunch of other heels are all like. All of your yeah, comments from like the guy. DCU special are just Connor going off, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, yeah, some program notes. Uh this week there was too much to do this week for one episode because we've blown past this whole one episode format. So just to keep it on your radar, this week we launched a whole new segment called The Pool List. We've taken our comic segment from this show that you guys know and loved and made a whole show out of it. So we're talking the biggest storylines every week from the major publishers. And if you enough of you tune in, hopefully we'll dig even deeper. We'll get a whole show dig, talking deep dive comics on multiple publisher fronts. So be sure to support that. We also have, as Connor alluded to, our infamous, already infamous DCEU ranking show where we rank all of the movies for the DCEU, so be sure to check that out. And today's show, we have so much going on, plus when we're done here, we have to do an Invincible recap. We are doing recaps of Invincible Season 4, as you can see behind me if you are watching us, and we're going to do a full deep dive on Invincible Season 2. Episode one. So be God, sure to check in. Show. There's a spoiler. I love this show and I love that episode. All right. Well, that's it. We're jumping ahead here. But uh, as I said in our little uh, promo for this episode, as we came on the air, there is something to live react to. As soon as we started the countdown for this live show, Marvel decided to finally drop the trailer for Echo. So we have all just sat here for the five minutes you watch this countdown intro to the show watching Marvel's Echo trailer, and I'm not even going to start. Janelle, kick it off. What did you think about the Echo trailer? Uh, well, Matt saw a live reaction. <laughs> I watched it during the opening credits. Uh, so I, uh, first of all, like so much Vincent D'Onofrio. So let's freaking go. Yeah, like, that's why I, I teed it up to know. you. That's your boy yes. right there. My boy, I didn't know how much to expect uh, of yeah, so. him. Um, you know, you never really know who's going to kind of get a lot of shine in the show. And I feel like this is a great um, example of like, OK, we're going to have a lot of Kingpin, which I think we all want. I, I feel like everybody loves him. So that's really exciting. It was way more brutal than I thought. I love like the dripping blood and and it just it it seems quite moving um and it seems like there's going to be a lot of action and we kind of need that right now because loki is like loki is scratching the itch for me like magical mystical timey wimey doctor who style stuff but like this is going to be more traditional like action superhero type content and i think that's going to be really exciting all right matt I'm, I'm i'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this 
So this is one of those shows that has felt like uh, it's been in development purgatory for a minute. And you're kind of sometimes bracing for like, I hope, man, I hope it's good. If every Marvel trailer was this good, like I, it would be so easy to just jump into like, oh, my God, movies are got TV shows and movies are going to be great. Like this trailer freaking rules. I mean, the soundtrack to this bumps so much Kingpin and like. Vincent D'Onofrio is Kingpin, you know, at this point to me, um, like, it's just one of those, he's one of those actors now that is just synonymous with a role. That is, it's fantastic. Um, I can't, I mean, it's only four episodes, right? I'm not sure. Echo? I'm not sure. I thought it was moved to four cut to whatever it is. I am, I am ecstatic that uh, we don't have to wait super long, so much longer to watch this. This trailer, if the show lives up to the trailer, we're, we're in good hands. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Connor Casey, call me skeptical. Lord knows you have. But I couldn't help but notice that this trailer had a lot of Kingpin in it. But if you actually look at all the clips, it looks like it's only two scenes. Now, are they trying to tell you that, hey, Kingpin is in a lot of this? Or were they just trying to front load all of the footage they had of D'Onofrio into this trailer to make you think Kingpin is all over this? And in reality, he's only in maybe the first episode. Mm. I don't know. That's a, that that's my a big one, question. That was my one red this. flag of like, how do you get people excited about this show? Vincent D'Onofrio, beloved actor of stage and screen. One of the most iconic, you know, Marvel villain characters. And... It's the one connection that everybody's instantly going to be like, oh, I know who that is, even if I didn't necessarily watch the Hawkeye show. That's where I'm kind of sitting back going. Did they want to make sure that you knew Kingpin was in the show, even if he's only in it for maybe 10 minutes? Other than that, trailer looks cool. You know, it looks promising, but there are plenty of, you know, violent TV MA shows out there that don't live up to the hype, even though they're given the freedom of that extra rating. Okay, well, I mean, I'm going to say, and, you know, we've had people who saw this before, but this does feel like something more in line with the Marvel Netflix universe, much more so than the Disney Plus series, and I'm kind of here for it. Like, I'm glad that we're getting a corner of the universe that where the street corner where the brutality and the thing that made us kind of scared of Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin in the first place looks very much intact. I'm kind of glad for him. He's been friend to this show. He came on and talked to us, uh, I think during Hawkeye when he was doing, you know, his big mm. return during Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, and this looks like it was a ball for him at least to film and do. Now, I feel like, I feel like we're going to get Kingpin sprinkled through this. Right. If they're smart, that's what yeah. they did. I hope so. And, uh, but what I like about this trailer is already, and we're going to get into this as we to- talk Loki season two here in a minute, but I feel like we are already getting a strong thematic core to this show, like, which is, of course, it's a classic one, like, wh- what is a monster? Like, what constitutes, what makes a person, you know, quote unquote, into a monster? And who's a monster? And I hope it does some moral grayness. And, and does a complicated thing because mm-hmm. she's like the one character who has this, I feel like, unique kind of connection to Kingpin that right. is both kind of like fatherly and toxic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are not mutually exclusive as life has taught us many times. But, you know, I, I dig it. That's that's rich complexity. Um, and 
it looks like at least they're going to weave that question into like the spirit of Native Americans and or kind of like Latin American heritage. Because isn't she like part both? Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's part Spanish, part Native American. Yeah. And those two cultures do have this kind of blending ground that we don't talk about as often, but right. is very prominent in, in history. So like it looks a lot like a lot of those beliefs and the thing about that warrior spirit, that Native American kind of and Latin American kind of cultural idea will be kind of alive in this. And I hope that there is a good kind of exploration of like, what is the line of that? Like between you're a warrior and you're fighting and you're killing and you're doing this stuff for like noble reasons versus when you've gone down the dark rabbit hole and and can you ever get out again? And like, mm-hmm. this is in some ways even a better kind of like Hawkeye Ronin show than Ronan Hawkeye would have Which been. Which didn't want to go that deep. Yeah, didn't want to go that deep. And, and given Which to is, Bishop, it's it's totally understandable what right, we were going right. for in that show. That's not the place for that. But I like that we could explore it here. And I hope Clint Barton's Ronin shows up in this too. And we get like a deeper look at like what happened to her father and kind of like all of that and how that all got confused. So I'm in for this. I, I'm kind of curious why they dropped it all at Do, once. Does any red light go up for you where it's like, hey, it's dropping in January, which if you look at film history, isn't a great sign. And it's all coming out at once, which is not something they've ever done with the Disney Plus series. Yeah, I, I mean, it says to me that like Marvel Studios, Disney doesn't necessarily view this as the same level of quality content as some of these other things. However, as we're gonna get to in this show, I don't know if that's a bad sign for me right now. Like if they're saying, right. this is not in line with what we're doing right now, I'm kind of okay with that they, because they, what you're doing right now is- they, Well, this show received a lot. I mean, you gotta remember, this show has been pushed back twice and develop, like development was rocky on this. Granted, mm-hmm. you know, this stuff has been since like, this show feels like it's actually been on the weird back burner since like the pandemic. I mean, this show has been in talks and development for a while. So I, the release date, I feel like just, you know, like at, at this point, releasing it all at once. I I believe it's four episodes. I thought there was a report that came out that said it was it had been trimmed from six to four or something like that. And then if it got bumped back to six, it's had a lot of. It's been all shaky stuff. That might be where the fear is just because it has, you know, it's kind of gone through this Frankenstein process of development. Um, but that said, I I think if Hawkeye comes up a lot in this discussion, right? Like YouTube brought that show up and Kingpin was great in that, even though really it as other than just the very base street level, you know, mob boss type thing doesn't really tie in the Hawkeye at all. Like it doesn't, this character doesn't never really like ties in the Hawkeye, doesn't tie into Kate Bishop. It's just, a, you know, it was kind of a reason and an excuse to work him in. Echo is intrinsically tied to Kingpin. So to me, if you're going to have that, you can't just up like front load one episode to be all of Kingpin. Like it's important that you have him all throughout the show and they have a reason here to do that. I was more skeptical of Hawkeye when I first saw that trailer of how much Kingpin was going to be involved. That's why it was such a surprise when he was so involved here. That's kind of needs to be a no brainer like it that that really I I mean, if they don't get that right, then they've completely just screwed 
the the concept that character like the, that's the whole story that's the story <laughs> it's these two um it doesn't and also the trailer does show us right like multiple time jumps right i mean we obviously see kingpin later after everything that went down in hawkeye and then we see him before and, and so i hope that that's a major through point but it should be i you know if they if they screw it up i feel like that's just a monumental screw up they shouldn't the path is there all right. Anybody have any final thoughts on the Echo trailer? Is everybody? In? Let's just go around. Everybody. Everybody's definitely in, right? Oh, I'm in. Yeah. I just. Oh yeah. What wouldn't mind seeing a certain blind lawyer showing up at some. There place. was a shot of Daredevil in. Was there. he in there? Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's. I'm uh, pretty sure that's Daredevil who's like jumping backwards through a thing at one point in the trailer. Lots of heroes jump backwards through things. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that that's. That's him. Like. Yeah. All right. Well. Hope we were, so it sounds like we hope that like there's a good story to this. We hope there's a proper use of Kingpin. I'm so curious how this is going to set up or connect to boarding to Daredevil series. So especially now that that's being redone, mm-hmm. I wonder if this if Daredevil is being redone to be kind of more in line with this, which would also be curious because if you're still dumping this out in January and doing this, like, but you're making Daredevil more like it, I don't even know, but. You know, we're just going in circles and circling around our larger topic that's kind of coming up down the line here, which is the MCU in crisis. So I guess let's talk about that since it seems to be making more sense as a segue right here. Um, We got this blistering report that everybody's just, which is hilarious because week before we get this book about like the magic and the awesomeness of Marvel Studios, Mm -hmm. there's a whole book about it. Next week, somebody's like, hold my beer. Actually, this is a dumpster fire, like, and you need to know the real. So we had this kind of, like, scathing report from Variety, and uh, I want to make sure I credit the writer, uh, Tatiana Siegel, who did this expose that has blown up everywhere. And it's about just how much of a mess it's been at Marvel post-Endgame, right? And, like, everything has been kind of laid out on the table from... The what had like the just the utter chaos and disruption of the Jonathan Major situation, which if you can't tell our graphic here in the studio, producer Pete is on it. He has an image of Kang with Dr. Doom's face taped over it because apparently, according to this report, Marvel was very much thinking along those lines of what to do to get rid of this Kang problem by putting Dr. Doom in and kind of subbing him out which would make a certain amount of sense because those two characters have a very deep connection in the comics in that you know the 31st century scientist that he who remains referred to in loki as the person who becomes you know kang and all mm-hmm. that and starts that whole ball rolling does so when he finds technology from dr doom that allows him to start tra- time traveling in the first place so mm-hmm. the characters are connected enough and they battle back and forth and go at it enough that I could see Doom stepping in and taking over, but yeah, that would have been... <laughs> I don't know where they've landed now. Uh, does it say, actually? I never got kind of clear about no. that. No. It doesn't okay. really come to a conclusion. It no, feels it's like just still, still a holding pattern. Can I can I say a couple things about the article itself? Because I know Go it's, for it's it. been talked about. Um, the first thing that really stood out to me was that the strategy to dump so much on streaming and the plan of always have something out, whether it's a show or a movie. The the article frames it as though COVID caused this. And I even had to do the control F and check to make sure 
Bob Chapek's name is never brought up once in this article. Right. And he oversaw all of that. And he was the one that made the structural changes at Disney to where instead of Kevin Feige directly reporting to the head honchos, they had all these middlemen suddenly get in between him and them. And then he also goes, and we need to dump as much as possible. We need to flood Disney+. Plus. It wasn't COVID that caused that. It didn't, COVID didn't help. But Chapek was a big part of that, and he's not mentioned in this once. It feels weird. Yeah. I also felt like this thing really just wanted to beat up on the Marvels before it even comes out. There, there, there were a few shots of this where it felt like, it's not even out yet. That's a little mean to just target it like that. Uh, the Mahershal Ali thing. That was definitely a eyebrow I mean, you're going through everything now. I know. I yeah. know. But we, we, we can stop on this one. The Mahershal Ali thing was kind of like, oh, crap. They were going to do Bloodline, Daughter of... Uh, yeah, we, and we thing. knew that. We kind of knew that. But if you're going to do that, why not bring back Wesley Snipes? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, not a two-time Academy No, winner. that's kind of like... That's kind of the larger point about this whole article, which is that it's like there's no real kind of sense or sensibility running this. Mm-hmm. And that was my takeaway is when you take like Joanna Robinson's book and this article together, it's kind of like a look at how Marvel has. And I started doing this in phase one. I got into this career, you know, I'm like half of these screaming pundits today. I got into this by going through the trials and tribulations of phase one. Mm-hmm. I know intimately how much in that book you know, was happening in real time and how much of a mess it was. Right. Phase two was a mess until halfway through because they could not find, like, they couldn't get with directors who were talented enough but pliable enough to kind of go into the Marvel machine and do all this. And it sounds like we're back in that same kind of phase one chaotic era, which is unexpected. You think, like, we learned from all this and we did it, but it sounds like after Endgame between Chapek and kind of just the move to try to expand and and these new increased moving parts with the Disney Plus shows and the Mm. mandates that like it all just became what we always feared a Marvel Disney machine could become. It really feels like the Chapek era derailed everything. Iger is back. Feige is directly reporting to him. And now it's a it's a big ship that they're trying to turn and big ships turn slowly. So it, it felt like they had so many projects already in development by the time Chapek got kicked out and Iger came back that it's like, okay, we have to get all these out and then try to redirect this to where it makes sense. Yeah. So, and it also, Matt, you might, you might appreciate this. This article honestly kind of reminded me of uh, right before I left comic book, the LA Times put out a big thing on Vince McMahon and his whole scandal from last year and the many scandals prior to that. And this re- article kind of read like, where were you eight months ago when we were talking about all these exact p- talking points of, yeah. hey, there's too much on Disney Plus. You should probably cancel some of these projects. Kang's not really working and no one's excited for Kang Dynasty. Yeah. yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, I think if you if you really look at it, because the full article is worth a read. It, it's it's interesting. There's there's lots of stuff, but it, but. A good 50% of that stuff is stuff we've been talking about. We've been talking about the VFX side of things, right? Mm-hmm. We had a whole discussion not crazy long ago about, I mean, there's a whole group of, uh, you know, VFX, you know, artists and, and production people that unionized. And there's like a whole other thing of Walt Disney Animation over there unionized. Like there's part of that is chaos. Part of that is over being overworked. Like there's been a lot of that stuff in the Marvel thing. It felt like maybe what, six months ago, seven months ago, there was a the big 
VFX kind of uh, bubbling over. It was where, all the fallout you know, from Quantum Mania because it got bumped yeah. up. Yeah, you know, and then She-Hulk came out of like there's a lot of stuff that kind of came from that. So we've seen this kind of rolling out already. It's just to have it all in one place. I figure sometimes like when you see it all in one spot and you read it from beginning to end, there is some new nuggets here, though. I mean, as Kofi mentioned, the Doctor Doom thing, it's pretty it's pretty big that they were even considering it. I imagine they're not going to do that. But the fact that they were even willing to consider that big of a, a move is something um the blade stuff you know and they've and they've also had come out and said like that wasn't the case they weren't gonna you know redo everything like it's a lot of back and forth i will say and janelle i'm kind of curious how you feel about this i i don't understand why it's mentioned in the article but i don't understand why we don't just recast why is it like that not like one of the top like why are we considering shifting the entire universe and bringing this other character in and messing all these other features but just recast they've done it before i understand not to the scale but like in five years when the king saga is done or 10 years or whatever is anyone really going to care that like in a couple movies <laughs> he looks different and in the other 80 percent, he's another person like they're not going to care when it's all said and done overall as long as the person you get is good mm. right i don't know that's how i feel I don't I don't get that. I mean, like, yeah, I totally agree with that. I also, like, I I don't know about you guys, but the more that I'm watching Loki and things like that, I'm just I'm I'm doing the keeping it separate thing. Like, I, yeah. I really am just kind of going, OK, that's Kang. Like, I'm not looking at him as Jonathan Majors. And I know that that is some sensitive stuff that we, you know, we're right. going to keep watching and keep our eye on. But um you know, it's I'm still I am all in like I am all in on Marvel. And so I I read this article quite like defensively. Like I was mm. kind of like, wow, you are just like ragging. And there's not really anything else out there that has done what Marvel and the MCU has done. And it's like they can't be perfect all the time. Like that's going to happen. But I enjoy this content because I love these heroes and I love these characters and I like the time stuff. And I think that, you know, you just have you have different types of fans. You have the ones that are just like even the graphics. Did you see like the the pictures of like everyone like the the, the animations of everyone walking away from you know, oh. Loki and yeah, this Marvel and all that. It was all the like, characters. I'm like, is... why is Loki there? No one's walking away because of him. I was like, this is so dramatic and rude. Like, this is so unnecessary. I just don't, I don't know. I feel like people really need to go for a jog or do some yoga, meditate a little bit and just enjoy <laughs> their lives and be happy with content that, that's coming out. Like, that's how I feel. What did <laughs> Put that Janelle Monet on and uh, do that yoga. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what did you guys make of the... Uh, uh, it is also that artwork. It's, it's funny. Some of the artwork there was actually um oh my god uh frankavilia right they actually wow. got a marvel a former marvel wow. artist to do so oh. wow <laughs> my wife by the way just objected to the fact that i brought up janelle Monet and, and yoga <laughs> my wife just gave me a very shameful look so there you go there what did you guys that. make of the headline that kind of 
Uh, our sister pod obviously grabbed it. A lot of headlines. Our sister pod that's running a show right now. Oh, well, there yeah, you go. there you go. We can run two shows apparently. We big here. time. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so go ahead. The 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 headline that a lot that this article generated a lot of was the oh we're bringing back Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson. I wasn't surprised by that at all. I felt like the moment you announced Secret Wars, it meant hey the OG Avengers are all going to be back at some point. Was anyone surprised yes. by that? Um, no, I always figured that they would get a massive payday to a dump truck full of money, if you were, which I did not invent. It's actually Krusty the Crown Clown who invented that in the Simpsons camp episode, <laughs> which somebody had to remind me of. But anyway, moving back to that, I always figured this would be like a great, like new addition to each of their houses, like down in the 2020s, <laughs> like Chris Evans may want another few dogs or something like Downey can buy the house that's in the first Iron Man movie now. He's fine. Yeah. That, so that, that, like, didn't, that didn't surprise me. It's no, like, it didn't surprise me at all. I always figured they would show up for some kind of thing, which is also, I mean, weird. And at this point, you kind of have to because none of us know these new Avengers and they have not any have had no time to actually avenge together. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you do this without bringing back the kind of OGs? Also, I always figure that this is going to be that Secret Wars, rather than a series of cameos, is going to be like a series of camps, all kind of competing for their survival. It's going to be Dragon Ball Super, right? So if you have Universal Survivor I don't even even know if they were going to do the whole, like, war world thing with, with the hot, with like everybody fighting, like it just felt like they were grabbing the name for the sake of the. No, IP. I didn't think it was going to be War World like that. I thought it was going to be bits and pieces of reality that Kang's put together to make their own kind of world, and there will be pockets of survivors, just like in the original, like or in the mid 2015 story. Like Reed Richards and them will figure out a way to get through Shang, and now it's the whole thing with the rings, right? Yeah. Like the rings, stuff like that. That'll be kind of like their little protection method, whatever the Fantastic Four can do. Don't sing Shang-Chi since 20, since the pandemic. What the exactly. hell Exactly. And like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's so weird now. Like, I, like I'm not going to be surprised if they have to push these massive Avengers projects. But then again, I think they want to get out of this as quickly as possible and kind of get into, because really the most exciting thing we're all looking forward to is is phase seven, right? Like when we get a new MCU with X-Men and but that's everybody. The, thing. It, it's it, just like, the story ends with, oh, they can fix it by bringing in the X-Men in Fantastic Four. That doesn't fix everything. That just gives you more of the problem. You got to fix how you handle your VFX. You got to work on how you're structuring all these scripts in pre and post production. There's a lot more to fix than just, hey, throw in the mutants. Yeah, I know. But there we have proof of, hey, you can make bad mutants movies. Yeah, but when I say fix, what I mean is they'll have a, a, a the real problem behind the problem here is that Marvel doesn't have a flagship character or franchise to really, besides Spider-Man. Well, they do. He's just owned by Sony. Yeah, by spite besides Spider-Man to now hang this on. Mm-hmm. There there isn't really anything. They've been testing numerous characters, introducing them. I can't say building them up because we only see them once, but like they've been putting them out there and seeding the field again. The problem is like we're now caught between two things. Like phase one barely got enough to get these characters out and build them up to a large event. We now have to get these characters out and build them up return to characters we already knew and build their corners out even more or develop them even more and service this so-called overarching larger story. That's so much going on. And I don't think anybody's cracked the code on how do you do all of this and, and get it done? 
because yeah, we can crank out one of these movies, but when it's time to see Shang-Chi again, and we all figured like Marvel had a plan to start spreading these characters around so that every project we got, we'd see at least a little bit of somebody else or something else to kind of connect it, but that's not been the case. So I don't know how you solve this right now. I don't even know what you get excited for beyond the Marvels and waiting for Deadpool 3 and uh, what was the other thing? And Captain America 4, and we don't even yeah. know. We hope... And I was telling this to Jim Viscardi before I came in, like Deadpool 3 and Cap 4 now, now need to cook like none other. They need to be like so pivotal that like it turns everything around because after that, I don't know where we're going or what we're doing or and I'm not excited for any of it. Like what? Last thing, and you can clip this one for the soundbite. The best things that Marvel produced this year with the Marvel name on them are Guardians 3 and its director is going to go run DC. Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation and Across the Spider-Verse, which is made by Sony Animation. Not a great look for the MCU. Yeah, well, if you ever want to hear my full thoughts, go check out uh, What is Podcast X, what I do with my uh, old buddies from Screen Rant. Um, But there I was a little bit more unabashed in saying, like, there was a lot that hinged on Loki Episode 5 to tell me where I what the state of the MCU is. I was here at the Alpha and I'm going to tell you why in a little bit, but I feel like I'm there in the Omega right now by where we're going and like, Should we follow our, this segment with another one? Uh, guess we should just do Loki. All right, let's jump into Loki. We're just not going to do they follows, are no, we? No, we are going to do they follows <laughs> okay. after the break. We're going to talk about that because, you know, cuz you guys all watch did I make do you guys all watch that movie? Do you watch it follows? Too spooky. Me watch scary. How dare you? <laughs> Ah, good. Yeah, I'm we're gonna get into that. So we're gonna care. talk about it follows after the break because that's just for fun. But let's get in. Let's stay on business. All right, Loki episode five. Let's get all serious. Loki. Um, as I said on podcast X, shout out to every one of the MCU pundits right now, man. Like hats off to you guys. Like for real. I am so glad that we are stuck in this show hell of having to cover all this stuff because if I had to focus on just the MCU, like I might be doing that Game of Thrones Tomlin out the window because. I'm sorry, there is a serious lack of depth to this. And Loki's episode five had a lot to do to make me convinced that this was going to be kind of a worthwhile and... Oh, do we put the wrong trailer? I put the wrong trailer and This is an old Loki trailer that we're running, but that's all me. But um, that it had something to build on this episode four massive cliffhanger, right? And I think what episode five told me was that yeah, my early impressions of this, and I didn't say this out loud until we were all at the four-week mark, were correct when I saw the previews for the season. This is like one of the most small-scale Marvel projects I've ever seen. It's essentially just us running laps around the TVA a lot to solve a problem that requires us to run around the TVA and right now has no larger implication for the Marvel multiverse saga. Now, that said, I wrote a whole theory before I came in here that me and Jim are hammering out. Um, I do think there is a potential for this to kind of at least wrap up in a good timey-wimey way. I will rewatch the finale of Loki this morning, and I feel like there is this whole overarching story that's kind of obvious that is Loki gets the power to essentially become the new he who remains. Yeah. Which sets him up to be what, again, no shocker to any of us who have been doing this and following these movies, but we always expected him to be like that portal guy 
the, the version of the Endgame portal for Secret Wars would be like Loki coming through to kind of counteract whatever Kang and the Council of Kangs are doing um, with the TVA behind him, right? Yeah. So I still think that's the case. I still think that what he remains told him is true. Like, I think he just kind of flubbed it a bit. He says, you, you had a choice. You can either kill me or you can take my place. And then later he tells Sylvie, if you kill me, I still end up here anyway, reincarnated. And I still think that's going to turn out to be the larger truth. Like, Loki gets the power. He goes. He helps in Secret Wars, Kang Dynasty. In the end, he kind of finds a variant of Kang that's left over and who's a good guy that you know, on their side. And he becomes he who remains. And then the whole thing is just one big snake eating its tail again. Mm -hmm. So, that's my prediction. But that's great. But as for Loki Season 2 itself... Another podcast said this, and I can't get it out of my head, so I'm just going to run with it and steal it. But um, shout out to Midnight Boys. But uh, yeah, this is some Naruto stuff. If you guys know oh. anything about Naruto, like this was episode was totally like a Naruto kind of thing where in a shonen anime kind of thing where we unlock our secret power through the power of friendship, right? That is like, true. yeah, that's a total, <laughs> that is some anime-ish if I've ever seen it. Um, I just don't know that it worked so great in this episode with all its talk about science and fiction and and all of that, where essentially the hero unlocked his power. Why? Because the story demanded it. And in fiction, he needs we need this to happen now. So this is why he should be able to do it now. See, I don't think it's it's not so much shonen. It's out. I'll, I'll reference another ringer podcast, House of R. They've kept drawing comparisons to this being Doctor Who. Yeah. And that's how it really feels. Where the timey-wimey stuff, the mechanics of it, don't really matter. Don't bother thinking about it. Instead, focus on the character interactions. And that's what this episode kept trying to push. There's a couple of moments where I go, oh, are they, are they going dark with this? Because the moment I realized that Owen Wilson's character had two jet skis in his garage... And one of them was his wife, and his wife's not around anymore. It's like, is his is Morbius's love of jet skis because he it's his, the vague fragment of memory he has of his wife and kids? That's dark as hell. It's also awesome, but I don't know if I'm actually going to dive into that. Um, it's you know there was so much focus on the time skipping and him trying to get everybody back together, and then when you actually stop and think about it, you go, that doesn't make any sense. But eh, it's convenient for the story, so let's keep moving and just enjoy the character interactions we have. So it, it's fine. It's still giving me those Legion season one and two vibes where you can kind of just sit and relax with it. And if you don't think too hard about it, it still kind of works. But I don't know. This felt like kind of a step back from the first four episodes. Now, we got to ask our Doctor Who expert here if this actually feels like Doctor Does it feel timey-wimey enough for you, Janelle? Yeah, I'm obsessed. I can't stop thinking about this. I dreamt about it. I definitely am very satisfied with this. I think that, uh, like, I think it's very clear where they're going, and I really like what they're doing. I think the way that they portrayed, like, time dissolving and everything turning into noodles is just spectacular. Um my heart was like racing as all of it was closing in on each character. Um, and yeah, I just feel really satisfied. I feel very satisfied with this, with this episode, with this season, with Marvel because of Loki. I don't have complaints. I'm so happy. And yes, as a Whovian, this definitely tickled my fancy. Um, 
I, yeah, it, I even said like, as I was watching, I was like, God, it feels like Doctor Who sometimes. And it's like a, it's like a better, <laughs> better CGI Doctor Who sometimes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Well, now Doctor Who has that Disney money, right? So maybe we'll, oh my uh, God, maybe I'm we'll get that freaking out. We'll get that spike Tenet in budget. And Donna you know I mean? are my favorite. Like literally Donna is my favorite companion. Tenet's my favorite doctor and I'm getting them back. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I, I echo. Um, I actually see I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I see everyone's point because I, I, I really think this is a smaller story than what we were led to believe. Um, and while some of those you know, and I'm getting real tired of the ties to the, I don't even care anymore about the, <laughs> the ties to the grander MCU and all this other stuff. I don't care. Uh, I, I, I more want to be invested in the story you're trying to tell me. Um, and the characters in Loki are superb. And so I, I do think it is once I kind of shut off, like looking for some of that other stuff, I and just, in, you know, investing in these, this group that I care about. Yeah, so it was a, it was a really good episode. I will say, while while Marvel's VFX has come in, under uh, fire quite a bit, uh, the spaghetti effects are top notch. They really are. They're very good. That, that whoever created like whatever team created that particular effect, aces. It looks it looks great. Um, I will say, going you know, bringing this full circle, uh, going back spaghetti. to that other article, they mentioned the next episode is that. You know, the finale from people who, you know, in that article have seen it, you know, do kind of did get me intrigued of like, hey, like this really does set the stage for, you know, for Kang and for, you know, going forward. It's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. So I am curious to see like how that lands and if that ends up being true, um, because after that, you might not have any choice but to, you know, recast. You might have to just because if they if they so far, the Kang side of things has been a letdown for me Um, again. Again, though, I fully admit I went in with bias. So uh, if after this, they're able to, like, turn that around and go, no, it's Kang. Here's Kang. And here's all the reasons why. Then it might be time for a recast. So you can actually move forward without the all the clouds, you know, so (sighs) to answer your question, I thought dusting was unsettling. And then I saw the oops, all spaghetti and went, oh, no, that's so much worse. Yeah, there you go. And that's the board game that's coming out tied to the MCU. Oops, all spaghetti. I mean, I feel like I'm wasting my life. Even. I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm wasting my life even talking about this this long. Like, all I'm going to say is in the list of things that I watched this week, this is the least entertaining by far. Um, That's where I'm at. It is. Gen V, Invincible and Loki. All dropped on Thursday night last night. They did. Thursday nights are back, baby. This is the least entertaining by far. Um, All right. To Kofi. But shout out to everybody still talking Marvel. (laughs) This is deep stuff that matters. I'd rather. I'm slowly going over to the Scorsese side again. All right. But that's just me. Stop it. Let's take a break. When we come back, (laughs) we're going to talk about Gen V. We're going to talk about Invincible. And we are also going to talk about a big horror movie that is getting a sequel that I am really excited about, so I put everybody else through some torture. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. Mm. 
Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture, and thankfully we don't have to be stuck in Marvel stuff. Let's keep going now with some talk about a horror film that's getting a sequel. I am so excited about this that I just had to go do a rare Kofi's agenda. We are getting a sequel to It Follows, and it will be called They Follow. So, there you go. The end. Fun segment. No, I'm just kidding. So, the original director and star of It Follows are coming back for They Follow. Of course, we don't have it on our comic book database, because why would we? So, wow. 10 years ago, this year, It Follows came out and was an indie horror breakout hit. Really kind of established these kind of new generation of kind of like metaphor-based atmospheric indie horror films that would follow after that. Like, I don't think there would have ever been something like The Duke if there hadn't been It's Follows and, like, there's a bunch of other films like that. Um, so, we're gonna get this follow-up. David Robert Mitchell is coming back to direct it. The star, uh, Maka Mon- Monroe, who played Jay, the main character. Sorry, Janelle, I didn't realize that when I gave you this movie that it would be, like, so easy for you to be like, oh, her name is Jay. Like, I can get into this and, oh, man. So they're aiming to start production in 2024, and I could see them releasing it by the end of that year or early in 2025. So... When we got this news, I, I went around and I realized not everybody had really seen its follows on this team. So I made us do a little quick retro review because I had watched it on Halloween. It's on Netflix. And I was like, I'll never have a better opportunity to make you guys go through this. So Matt and Janelle, I want to start with you two because if nobody, if people don't get the makeup of our show, you guys are like the least horror inclined people up here. <laughs> Me and Connor can can dip in there, but uh, you guys don't tend to love this. So Jay, I'm kind of really curious. How did you like It Follows? Well, I don't like horror, but I think it's well done, right? Like they do a great job of like building anticipation. I'm intrigued by the story. Um, I actually really liked the directing. I liked the acting. I would say like it's it's a good film. It, it's just freaky, <laughs> like obviously, like it's it's scary. Um, but that's what it's supposed to be. So I think that the fact that they're going to be bringing back some of the same people for the sequel, I think that's really important for like to keep the vision through. Um, and to kind of replicate that because like how successful was this in its release? I feel like it blew up. I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, whatever it made at the box office, I remember because I was doing like, I was in a New York film critics online that year and like, it was a big year. It was even getting like awards talk and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it was a big deal. Uh, it follows. I can see why. I think that's, I think it's, it follows. It didn't make a lot of money. It made, when it was in theaters, it only made $23 million on a $1 million budget. So that's not bad. What happened was afterwards, like, it got released at Cannes. It kind of, it got a limited release and then a wider release, but it then went on afterwards, like on DVD mm-hmm. and then eventually on streaming and things like that. It blew up because it became this kind of, cult hit for that generation of 2010s like millennials who were growing up and and just starting to have their like you know not to be gross but like sexual awakening i mean and, it's and an allegory for sti yeah 
I was and in college when this came out. So exactly. you can imagine how popular this <laughs> yeah. was with a certain demographic. Yeah, no. If you were in high school or college when this came out, like, this is one of the most terrifying movies you could ever see. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like y'all thought yeah. Freddy and Jason were trying to stop you from doing it? They didn't do nothing compared to this. No, this this will keep you. This will keep you. This is the best contraceptive in horror movies right here. Like, yeah. But um, the concept, and that's what I like. Like, good horror movies work because they make everyday life, even in daylight, somehow scary. Right? Um, Paranormal activity works because if you're at home and you hear something bump or your house creak, all of a sudden you start freaking out now. This works because it makes you look back at everybody in your sexual past and be like, oh. Well, not only that, but it's it's the easiest low-budget thing. Just every background character might be it. Exactly. And that's the brilliance of that movie. Um, There's one scene in a soccer field where they're having a meeting with a guy who kind of kicks this all off and quote unquote infected her with this curse and like yeah you see somebody walking up and the whole time you're sitting there like oh my god oh my god and finally he's like is that person you see that and they're like just a girl with a soccer ball and you're like even, oh, even okay. the last shot of the movie is oh wait is 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 that it again like, yeah i thought she closed the loop what happened and then it yeah. cuts and you're like oh crap and that's kind of like the metaphor right even in this new relationship with the best friends who finally find each other there's still this whole past behind him he's out banging hooker she did this thing and like with a boat yeah yeah and or the boat yeah yeah i forgot yeah, about there, that there's some implications there that even the director was like i don't think we were trying to give off that message it's like then why did you cut when you did yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah no but i mean it's just kind of like yeah i mean but that's again a good metaphor because people do we do use Everybody's had a period in their life. We're not going to get too deep in our past here, but everybody's had a period in their life where you were like feeling lost and you were hitting the streets and you were outside and, you know, wherever you woke up, where you were like, whatever, man. And then finally you were like, I got to get my life together. Um, Yeah, we all been there, bro. Like, yeah, so this movie still works. I can't wait to see what they do on the bigger scale of They Follow because, I mean, the title alone just implies this has gotten to be a much exponentially bigger problem. And if everything these kids did begins to come back after them, this could be wild. Like, just multiple, like, a horde of something coming at you. Like, yeah, it, it, I can't wait for this. I'm excited. Like, one person walking slowly towards you to your imminent death is terrifying enough. If it's a horde. Yeah. Oh, forget it. And there's also, and obviously there's obviously ways to grow this from STIs to, like, infection covid all that stuff like social media social media i mean like yeah there's there's any ways to take this i i hope we don't lose ourselves in the growth because that can happen sometimes but um yeah you go back and look at the original saw film and you'll see what i mean Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i'll just uh, that's my agenda we don't have to spend too much time on that let's keep it moving uh invincible is back So let's talk about Invincible. We're not going to spend so much time on this because we are recording a whole Invincible deep dive episode right after this, baby, where uh, myself, Connor Casey, I believe Matt, you you met you in for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, Gamer Logan Moore, we're going to take and break down this first premiere episode. Uh, Matt and I got to see the first four episodes, which is the first block they're releasing uh, this year. And so I'll just give you my quick review, which is... I mean, Connor kind of hit it in the beginning. Invincible's back, and I don't think I really knew how much I needed it to be back. I, I kind of recently discovered when I did my season one rewatch right before this, I was like, yeah, this show is really good. And um, yeah, it, it's a really interesting season two that kind of unfolds. And 
oh man it's hard so hard when you've been watching them as a binge to not like confuse each episode but it does a nice job of both introducing some big overarching things giving you a really compelling personal character storyline expanding the world out a little bit but still having this kind of weird offbeat mix of like comedy violence heart and and all this stuff so i think the voice cast gets to work and cook a lot more this season um there's a lot more dramatic element to it but it's really exciting and like yeah this is like my favorite animated series in 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 probably years mm-hmm. um since the first season of young justice maybe like and the way this premiere episode starts and we'll get to in our deep dive is going to throw a lot of people who haven't read the comics for a loop and really does introduce some interesting things and i do like I the so villain confused. of this season so far <laughs> Janelle, when it say started i was like what oh, yeah. how what i and it just kept going and i was going okay seriously what did i miss something so yes it does throw you for a loop for sure Janelle, keep going <laughs> what'd you think of the premiere I I loved it. I mean, I don't really do animation very much. So this is one of those very rare occurrences that I'm just super won over. I think it has a lot to do with Steven Yen playing Invincible um, because I am a diehard Walking Dead fan and Glenn was my favorite character. So that that and Robert Kirkman, all of that just gets me very into it. Um, I started watching it again. I'm referencing my husband. He's like, what are you watching? Because it was so it, it is gory like it's a yeah. gory cartoon and he can't even like think of blood it like freaks him out so um yeah i mean i thought it was spectacular what an opener I, it is it's really shocking and when this episode ends a lot of those questions are answered but you're also going oh my god i need to know what's happening in the next episode and i am so jealous that you guys already got to see them because i i Holy- ended this episode going what no wait where are we going with this? Like, how does it kind of correlate with the beginning of the episode? Um, I will say, though, it's obviously totally different vibes than Loki. So even comparing the two episodes, don't just, try to save your boy. Don't to try to save your boy. I, I like Loki better. I like the Loki episode better. That's just me. OK, then. there's okay. more that goes into it than a cartoon. So that's just me. OK, that's a take. <laughs> That is a take. Matt, where, where were you at and with this? Real actors over cartoons, please. Ooh, Thanks. all acting. Oh, real oh, actors? All you get canceled for that kind of ish today, bro. You better be careful. careful. You got a broad real I don't care. <laughs> so you call it uh, Yoon not a real actor in Invincible? Is that what Simmons? you're saying? J.K. Simmons? I didn't say you're I watched words in my mouth. You're trying to get yesterday. me canceled. I, I did not say that they're more. not real actors. I just say I like to see like in-person real actors over cartoons. I didn't say the people that are playing the cartoons are not actors. So don't put words in my mouth. I wouldn't call this yeah, a cartoon. Oh, boy. Okay. That is I a I just take. talked about how Steven Yeun is one of my favorites. So. Okay. Bye. Matt, go for it. <laughs> but he's but he is real acting in this. I just want to confirm. He's, uh, yeah, he's voice acting. Okay, yes. okay. But I prefer sure. to see someone like emoting in person and like see like an actual human than a cartoon. And I like the Mahler twins. I never. They're amazing. Yeah, they're I don't great. think there's ever been Mahler a twins day, and I'm the opposite. I don't think there's ever been a day in my life I've wanted to see a real human over a fantasy cartoon thing. They're so much better. Um, it's like, I feel about cartoon people like people feel about oh, dogs God, compared to people. This is going quickly yeah. off the rails. Yes, Matt, give us Stop. your take. 
Oh, it's going off the rails when I say something? When I say something, it's going off the rails? Okay, we'll get back to the... uh, No, no, your particular... Not generally, that. (laughs) That was going off the rails. Okay, so, uh, the... Yes, it's very good. It's very good. Keep things, uh, keep things moving. Uh, it's, it's, this was a hell of an opener. So, um... I I gotta say, like I it was thankful. I I did not do the season one uh deep dive like Kofi did. Um it's actually funny, I kinda wanna jump back and rewatch it now, but uh I watched like particular episodes, but I didn't do a whole thing. But I was love I, I love the like previously on thing. It was a fantastic recap, got me up to speed on pretty much everything. Felt like I could just jump in. Uh like this this cast just rules i just love all these voices and stuff like they're they just are these characters and uh i i missed it i'm like kofi and, and connor in that respect like i i miss this show but it's one of those shows like there's so much other stuff coming out that you kind of like forget why you miss something and then you watch a whole episode and you go oh yeah okay uh this is this i i remember in the past thing when we ranked shows that year i think i put this in my top three or five or whatever we we ranked as like you know favorite shows of the year i can't remember if i did or not i think i did and it'll probably be that way again (laughs) by the end of it like this was fantastic i'm very eager for people to see the rest it's me all right well that'll do it for invincible we'll okay you 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 popped off at the top of the show go ahead pop off again and you're popping off on the bonus episode so i'm I'm popping off again cheap plug got a video out coming out next week about invincible season one i'll let you know when that comes out but as far as season two goes man i have missed this show you know i so i started in between the breaks between season one and two i started reading the comics i got up to like issue 70 and then this just this past week started up again i'm like to issue like 82 and the biggest takeaway I took from the book versus the show is that the book is that the show is a rewrite of the book. It is not just a pure adaptation. There's so much that Kirk, it feels like Kirkman was like, I didn't pace this right, or I stretched things out too long and it should have been just one episode, or no, I should have teased it here and then drawn it out further. And I feel like the show is nailing that to where. Angstrom Levy, you know, the guy we get in this first episode, that whole thing with him and the Maulers got stretched out for a long time before you figured out what he was doing. And then it's very quickly into what I thought was going to be the like final shot of the end of season two would be a particular violent scene with him. For all I know, that could show up by episode four. And I, I won't spoil what it is. Kofi might know. This this show is excellent. The voice casts all come to play. Uh, they obviously play a little bit in the advertising and in the opening scene with the alternate reality, but and we'll we'll get into this in the bonus episode. But overall, they're just doing so well with this, and I highly recommend that even if you have read the comic, the show is exponentially better, and we don't get to say that a lot with adaptations. So I'm really happy for this. All right, hopping back over to live action. Let's talk about the end of Gen V. So. Hmm. I had mixed bag feelings about this. I feel like we got kind of the Marvel style, gotta have a big fight at the end type story. At the same time, I feel like there was enough payoff of the kind of the character arcs and a kind of culmination, especially for Marie and where her story goes, 
by the end. And I feel like they did a good job of also kind of giving us a cliffhanger that makes me want to come back and see, like, not only where these characters end up in season two of Gen V, but, like, where all this now feeds into the boys. And we got some definite big cameos to say, hey, yeah. like, this isn't over. This is going to, like, we're in a universe now, and these two shows are going to be very much connected. And we're going with that. So I had mixed feelings about this, but again, I still liked it better than Loki because it just had better kind of action drama gravitas. I actually cared about each of these characters. We didn't talk about it, Loki, but I wanted to see if you guys connected to like, you know, everybody's alternate lives. And if all that was like so important to you since it was so important to the show for so long. But, um, I actually cared about everybody here and I was scared about anybody I might lose. Like anybody who was going to, you know, bite the farm. I was like, oh man, that'll be a major, even Kate. I was like, if Kate gets wiped out, that's still like, I've come to be so involved in these characters that that would be a, a major loss. But well, um, one fourth of her got blown. Yeah. Up, yeah. Right? Yeah. We got, we got, we got, and I had seen that in the promos and I was like, I was so scared. Like somebody's getting blown up. Yeah. Uh, but in the world of boys, that was about as happy as you can as you can have an outcome for in terms of injuries and death. But, um, yeah, this was a very surprising show to me. Like I did not have any, I was like, Janelle, I had no faith in this at all going in. I was like, yeah, teenage boys. uh, I don't know, but this is one of my bigger dark horse surprises of the year in terms of, and again, they didn't, they did a lot that Loki did. This isn't a big show. Like, it's mostly them running around campus the mm-hmm. whole time or running around the woods the whole time. But just the way they play, and they even have episodes where they play with, like, blackouts and, and cliffhanger wake-ups and stuff. But the way they did it with superpowers and the character development and just the overarching storyline of the season actually having relevance to the larger universe, I think it's there are some interesting things to hold them up Loki and, and Gen V and be like, here's a case for how you can do this right versus how you maybe need to tweak this a little bit. I'm glad you said mixed bag because I have been singing the praises of this show from the get go. And I was, I was a little taken aback by this episode where I go, I honestly can't judge if this ending is good until I see what the boys are going to do. If, are they picking up right where this left off? Or are we not seeing this group again until season two? Because it honestly felt... It's not even a cliffhanger. They just stopped mid-sentence. They, it's this massive, like, big old violence on school. I'm glad they had the disclaimer at the beginning. Because oh, yeah. some of that was like, oh, this is getting uncomfortable. Uh, there's this big conflict on the school grounds. People are dying left and right. And then it feels like they ran out of budget because they had to pay for Homelander and Carl Urban to show up. So they just go, quick, uh, fly down for two seconds and cut. Well, what about the ending? Uh, show them in a hospital bed. Do we explain how they got there? Nope. Do we explain why the it, Vought rewrote it to where Kate and Sam are the heroes and the other four are the villains? Why was Emma's last scene of her suddenly shrinking without having to puke? And then you don't see her again until she's in the hospital bed. I'm like, okay, I feel like you decided to answer nothing and just said, okay, we're going to deal with this in The Boys or maybe season two. I really hope it's The Boys because I do not want to wait around to figure out what the hell did they do. Because I just, it's just such a, it's just such a quick cutoff. It reminded me of the end of the boys season one, where you get like, it was almost like the house explodes, you know, and you're like, oh my God, like 
Bully Butcher's in the house and it blew up. Like, this is it. Well, and no, because get... End of Boy season one was Butcher see, seeing his But kid. that's what I'm saying. But those sequences, like, he's in the house, he kills, what's her name, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. The house blows up. And for a second, you're like, whoa, like, what's happening? And then you get this fever dream kind of style thing where he wakes up and, like, Homelander's standing over him and then he sees Becca and he's just like, what? And that's, like, in his son. And then he sees the kid and we were debating. It's like, what are the implications of that? And yeah. it took a while for us to figure out exactly. what that meant. But it was, like, this weird kind of, like, almost, like, tacked-on fever dream that comes in the midst of this very tense, like, violent showdown inside the house. And mm -hmm. then, like, yeah. So this was kind of that, but I, I felt like you. I felt like either there was some kind of deadline, budgetary strike. Well, I don't know what was going on. I feel on. like there's a scene missing. And they were just like, yeah, we got to wrap this up right now. And they did the best they could. I don't even know if Anthony Starr was like, I, I, I don't know if that was just a lever they pulled to like literally get them out of this. Was, he, be, was he actually on set, you think? Or do you think that he was superimposed? I'm not sure. I can't tell. Like, there's nothing that really says that Something he was... Something was off about the hair this time. Yeah, and then nothing says that he like... And it's a weird feeling, but it didn't feel like he fit in there correctly, like organically, which is a weird thing for the show that has integrated so much of the boys. It just felt like literally, it felt like Poochie, like the, somebody the like is, float down from the sky. The thing is, his intro was great because he like, shows yeah. up and you're like, oh, crap. And then it just immediately ends. You're like, guys, come on. You, you got Homelander. Use him. Yeah, they milk. Well, they milk the thing that you love about Homelander, which is you never know what he's going to do. And he can do anything. And you don't know what that is. And... You know, for a second, and she walks up, she's like, hi, sir. And then he opens his mouth, and then you're like, uh -oh. oh, yeah, he is not here to help you. No. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions about the weirdness of that ending. How did she, she survive the blast? Like, all that stuff is... Why are they the ones being framed? They knew Kate was causing this. I mean, and, that and makes and, sense, because... And Vaught, the dean gets murdered, and it's like, why... I, I don't know. I don't even know if they found her body yet, but um, I get why they did it because, you know, this is Vought's school. They were doing this. They are, like, kind of playing this game where they want to use supers and sell supers, but also make sure they're on the leash and, and kind of controlled. Mm -hmm. I think it does have a lot to do with the boys season four, and we're going to have to see how that goes. But one, uh, one other note before we get to Matt and Janelle, Patrick Schwarzenegger. I watched the Arnold documentary on Netflix this past week. This kid's got a presence that his dad had. It's the, the body type obviously isn't there, but for the few scenes we got of him in the first episode, and even in this episode, I go, oh, we might have something here. I oh, know no, everyone, he's a, he's I know everyone kid, yeah. thought Clint Eastwood's kid was going to be the next generation star. I, I think we need to take a look at this guy and give him something. No, no, Patrick Schwarzenegger as Luke, like, yeah, he did a good job. And, like, and like kind of holding down that troubled goal. The fact that he played, like, a very troubled golden boy all-american guy like yeah that says like he's got the looks but he's also got like some actual acting and like yeah we could do something with him so i hope he, that kid does do good uh yeah we've kind of just been in the studio talking amongst ourselves matt and janelle sorry from the home studios how do you guys kind of wrap up and feel about gen v here janelle go ahead Oh, gosh, I, I feel like you guys have already like said everything it's the, it's been a fantastic show it's a sleeper hit um, you know, not every episode is going to be mind blowing, but I, again, like, I feel like people need to chill and stop being so critical of everything. Like it, it's, it's just been great. It's been really good and it has everything we expected and like gore and story. And I, yeah, I just think they've wrapped it up really well. Obviously, like I have to continue watching this. I have to continue watching the boys and that's, you know, they're doing their job. Like that's what they need to get accomplished. They need us to want more and they've definitely done that. So. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing really left to say. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, I will say I'll probably put uh, Loki and this uh, side by side. I think that like I enjoyed both equally uh, as much uh, in Invincible. different ways. <laughs> Yeah, like in very different ways. Like they're very different shows. One's a finale and one's not. Like, I mean, you know, but so if I take all that into account, I still like enjoyed both equally. Um, you know, I think I was, there's certain things I was looking for in the finale uh, that, you know, were like different than I expected. Some were good, some were bad. Um, and the Loki thing, um, you know, again, there was some things like that held it back for me. So I just, but I really enjoy both. And I really enjoyed a lot. And I'm, I'm excited for the finale. I want these characters to return. So I'm excited for season two. Uh, Invincible, though, was like far away my favorite of, of the, the week. So but what if me. Gen V ended with everyone in that show turning into pasta? Would it win uh, that? Again, man, those pasta fake people killing it. They are the true winners. Mm. I'm hungry. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Those are our thoughts on Gen V. I'm pretty sure we'd all recommend it for you guys to watch. It's out on Prime Video now, along with the first three seasons of The Boys, so you, I guess you guys can check that out. Matt, why don't you take us on home with a little talk about our new comics format. Yeah, so um, we're going to be doing, if you've had a chance to check it out yet, uh, then thank you, number one. Number two, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, uh, we have a new pull list segment uh, that will be on Wednesdays where we got to kind of dive in a little bit longer, uh, coming in at around like 30 minutes. So we had to like really got a chance to dig into some things. However, comma, um, there was one book on there that we could not not touch on uh, with Janelle because she has been with us throughout the whole ride of the Gotham War and the Scorched Earth finale you know, brought all of that together. Um, so if you want to find all of our uh, big deep dive discussion on that and the ultimate uh, ultimate universe number one, feel free to go to our comic book nation YouTube page. Uh, and we will still be talking comics on this show. Just again, a little bit differently. Um, but for the finale, Janelle, do you have a chance to check that out? What did you oh, yeah. think about the, uh, the big ending? Did it, did it deliver? I have to know where cat is like now. Like what, what <laughs> happened? I don't know if we should be spoiling these things, but it's just uh, the cliffhanger and like being so uncertain of knowing like what happened in the end there. I just, I'm like, I know how, how long do we have to wait until we figure out where we're going from here? Cause this is, it's kind of heavy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like they tied it up really well. I still don't know exactly what was going on with Red Hood. So, you know, there was a big heroic moment um, and I don't really know how powerful that was or like why he's so tortured, like his tortured soul. So I need to figure that out. Like I need to understand what's going on there. But that's just a me problem. That's not an every other reader. problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought what I mean, are we is general consensus? They they did a good job because I'm very impressed with this entire series. I have loved this series. So yeah. when we talked about the issue, Kofi gave it a thumbs up. Yay! Uh, I gave it. I gave it a pass. Oh, because I was a little deflated by how the end. It felt like it just felt like it needed to be like another issue, or at least oh. I mean, geez, could have been two. I don't. I I just felt like it was rushed. too much for one issue. Yeah, to rush through. Yeah, because yeah, like we move from the villain battle 
Mm-hmm. To then, you know, we were dealing with all the Jason stuff, which is really interesting. And then we're still dealing with Bruce and like reconciling. All this stuff happens within like a normal, it's 29 pages. Yeah. It's like just above a normal sized issue. Right. So I don't know, like I, I kind of felt a little, the the and it's because the series has been so good. Yeah. That I feel that way. I was so hyped. Yeah. So I think just between the dud last week. With yeah. the Red Hood tie-in <laughs> and this, it kind of went kind of ended. For me, I think I'm I am definitely ADHD, so that like jumping around topics like so it didn't bother me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool, we're over here. Okay, we're, we're over here now. Now we're over here, and that's okay with me. I think like the most important things for me is that it's not overly wordy, that it's a good-looking book, and that I am left with some type of very big. Thing at the end of a conclusion and i got all of those so i'm going to give it a thumbs up too Woo-hoo! Yay! Woo-hoo! there we go all right um and then so just some quick recs uh you know if you have a chance to go to the comic store if you've already been to the comic store and want to go back should uh stranger things the voyage number one uh if you're a stranger things fan like me uh, i tend to jump into all of the different tie-ins it's been hit or miss, uh, but this one's really good. This one's really fun. A uh, bunch of new characters kind of taken on a different side of of the story and everything. So it's not like trying to play exactly with those same characters that you already know. It, it's kind of trying to carve out its own space. Uh, Spider-Boy number one, which I did not ever see me caring one iota about this character uh, or the series, but it was really fun. It's a fun Good launching issue for this character. So I got to say it surprised me. And uh, Ranger Academy number two, uh, which is like this uh, Power Rangers offshoot that is dealing with like the academy that actually creates and trains Power Rangers. And it's just really different. It's like, you know, it's it's like the antithesis of Gen V as far as school experience. Uh, but it is still like, you know, rife with all that, you know, drama and all those kind of interpersonal relationships and people feeling uh, like they're in an environment that they're not comfortable in. So it's all that stuff, really interesting foundation stuff mixed with Power Rangers. So it's fun. So you should check that out. But that is uh, comics. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Janelle. And that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. As we said at the start, if you want to get in on our larger comics discussion, be sure to check out our poll list episode, which is in our podcast feed and on our YouTube page. So you can subscribe to both there. We also have our DCEU rankings. You don't want to miss that if you are a DC movie fan. We had some pretty contentious lists Uh, Everybody had a very different take on the DCEU, so be sure to see who you agreed with and who you need to flame in the comments going forward in the future. (laughs) Also, after we get done here, we will be right back in the studio recording our Invincible Season 2 Episode 1 recap episode where we talk about the finer details of Invincible Season 2 Episode 1, and that will be running every week as Invincible drops its four season two episodes before hiatus. So be sure to subscribe again to our feeds because we got content coming everywhere. Otherwise, if you want to chat with us and stay up to date with all things Comic Book Nation, you can hit us up on Twitter at Comic Book Nation, or you can contact me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Connor Casey CBS. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, guys. We are the only show that does this much for geek culture without the word mega, absolute, bonus, or anything. We just give it to you fat every week, and I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) 
We love you guys for listening. As always, this is Comic Book Nation, and we will see you on our next segment. Peace. Later.